0: De regreso, Chedragui al 50. Compra papel higiénico, pétalo, Randy Max 4 rollos y lava trastes sección limón de 750 mililitros. Y te regresamos el 50% del valor de tu compra en cupón canjeable. Del 29 de agosto al 1 de septiembre. Compra máximas 6 piezas en Chedragui. Ahorras más porque cuesta menos.
1: Blog Talk Radio.
0: Okay, I got dropped. I don't know what's probably my fault. Uh, at, at any rate, it was an unceremonious uh, event. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like, I suppose walking across a frozen lake, all of a sudden you fall through the ice, maybe. Well, that's kind of the way I felt, you know. Anyway, I'm back though, and I was talking about the near-death experience of uh, Ella Jensen and how she was raised from the dead by uh, Lorenzo Snow in 1891. So let me get back to that. Um, Have it had it on Evernote here. So now I was reading. uh, Oh, oh, I was telling you about. Anne Puckett. Now, Ann Puckett's husband had just died of a heart attack. She was stricken with kidney failure, uh, of one the one kidney that she had left. And she asked that I uh, administer to her, like uh, I just read uh, Lorenzo Snow doing to Elegance, and even though she was dead at the time, uh, Lorenzo Snow administered to her. She had been died for. Uh, dead for several hours. But uh, Ann Puckett was in Womack Army Hospital uh, there. I was a lab tech uh, drawing blood on the floors, and she was there in the bed. I was the elder corner president. i just met her right before her husband was stricken by a fatal heart attack uh, and died right there on the floor of Womack Army Hospital, right in the uh, entranceway there, uh, Grand Foyer kind of field. And uh, uh, there was Ann Puckett when I was doing my duty of uh, drawing blood in the morning. And she wanted me to administer to her, said that her doctors had told her if she had any rusty prayers to get them out. Uh, and she had one kidney left, and it was failing. And she was like 60 years old, at least, I think. So it wasn't looking good for her. And so she asked me to administer her. And I made her promise that if I did, that she would uh, come back to church because she'd been inactive for many years, and she was a inactive. She promised that she would. And uh, she had a son named Joe, Joe Puckett, whom I later baptized, and his friend, I can't remember friend's name. It's been ever since 1973 that this happened. And uh, so I went to get Orville Lucas, who was a Mormon in my elders quorum, and he uh, was the x-ray and x-ray tech at WOMAC. And so I asked him to... uh, to administer to her, because you normally need two people to do this. You need one who anoints the person with this olive oil that's been consecrated for the healing of the sick in the household of faith. And then the other does the sealing of the anointing. So I ask Orville to do the anointing, and then I seal the anointing, and by the authority and power of the Melchizedek Priesthood, which I hold, I said, I command you to be healed. And I came by to draw blood the next day in the morning, uh, making making the rounds, as they call, call them in the army. There I had hospital whites on. I was a rank of uh, spec five or something. And uh, she was there still in the bed as I came in to draw blood again. And she told me this astounding story. Now, this is what she told me. She said the doctors had to compare her new x-rays that they had taken that day, earlier that day, with her old x-rays to make sure it was the same person. Because the uh, x-ray had changed. And she was completely healed. And uh, she did come to, uh, meet. she had to, she was confined to a wheelchair, but she came to the meetings, just like she promised. And her son Joe Puckett okay. and the other good friend of theirs, who were bikers, I think, they were both bikers, but they, they were so intrigued by the story that I was telling them, like I'm telling you. That they requested baptism, both of them did, and I baptized both of them. And later, Joe was uh, married civilly in the ward there. And uh, so that's that's uh, my experience with what I'm going to continue reading to you about concerning President Snow here. Now, this was in 1891. In Brigham City, Utah, which I used to sell books in, panic I'd get leads up there occasionally. Uh, and Brigham City is right at the mouth of the canyon that leads to uh, Logan, Utah, through the Rocky Mountains, Cache Valley. Anyway. Uh, I'll just read this here. It was towards noon when Jacob Jensen, Ella's father, reported to President Snow at the tabernacle service because it was more than a mile to town and he had to hitch up the horse to drive there. So she died at 10 o'clock and he was not able to get, her father was not able to get to President Snow until 12. They returned together with Rudger Clausen, who was then the president of the Box Elder State. After standing at Ella's bedside for a minute or two, uh, and I want to caution you, though, the modern Mormon church is not this church here. This is different. This is a whole different quality of people uh, at that time. Because uh, the corruption has entered the Mormon church to such a degree on doctrine and so forth. The priesthood has been withdrawn from their midst. I'll repeat that. Like, like, uh, upon the transgression of the golden calf, God withdrew the Melchizedek priesthood from their midst. Moses was a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Um, Oh, Mr. Bull, you're just making that up. But no, I'm not, uh, because uh, he was ordained by Jethro, the Midianite, who had been ordained to this priesthood, who was the son of Abraham, Midian through one of his wives, Keturah. Abraham had four wives. Uh, Keturah had a son named Midian, and that's why Jethro was called the priest of Midian. And Moses, it says in Genesis, fled to Midian after he killed that uh, Egyptian slave driver in the mud pit. He fled to Midian. Well, Jethro ordained Moses to the same priesthood which is the priesthood to the order of Melchizedek, I'm telling you. And um, so it was by virtue of this priesthood that uh, Moses was able to endure the presence of God because without this priesthood, no man can see the face of God and live. You need the Melchizedek priesthood to stand in the presence of God. So when Moses came down off the mount with the first set of tablet stones, you call he broke those he threw them when he encountered them worshipping the golden calf he broke those that that set and that contained the oath and covenant of the Melchizedek priesthood that God was going to make with Israel and make them a nation of priests and kings but they were worshipping the golden calf therefore God withdrew the the priesthood of Melchizedek from their midst and substituted a lesser schoolmaster priesthood to prepare them for the restoration of this Melchizedek priesthood eventually. And so God sent prophets unto them who were priests after the order of Melchizedek from time to time, namely Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. These were all priests after the order of Melchizedek. But what did they do to these prophets? They killed them, didn't they? They stoned them, they sawed them in half, etc. And then he said, perhaps they will reverence my only begotten son. So he sends his only son to them. And uh, what did they do to him? We we all know that story. They, they crucify him. So um, due to transgression, the Mormon church, has, the priesthood has been withdrawn from them also. So I want to caution you on that point. That Just because I'm speaking of Mormonism, quote-unquote, that does not mean that you should uh, seek out the Mormon church for deliverance from your sins and so forth because they've lost that authority. All right, well, let's uh, continue with this uh, account then. Uh, After standing at Ella's bedside for a minute or two, President Snow asked if there were any consecrated oil in the house. All were greatly surprised, but the oil was secured him. And, and I told you right before I got cut off that the, the reason they were surprised is because normally you administer oil to the living, not the dead. I mean, Ella had been dead for three or four hours at that time. Still laying in the bed uh, of the her bedroom there in, in Brigham City. So the oil was secured for him. He handed the bottle of oil to Brother Clausen and asked him to anoint Ella. After which, Brother Snow confirmed the anointing, just as I described to you about what Orville Lucas and myself did with Ann Puckett. Particularly impressive among others were these words that he used. Dear Ella, I command you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to come back and live. Your mission is not in His voice was very commanding. Come back, Ella. Come back. Your work upon the earth is not yet completed. Come back. You shall yet live to perform a great mission. Unquote. Ella remained in her dead condition for more than an hour after President Snow administered to her, or more than three hours in all after she had died. Her mother and father were sitting there watching by the bedside when all at once she opened her eyes, looked about the room, and saw them sitting there, but she still looked for someone else. And the first thing she said was, Where is he? Where is he? Where is who? My brother Snow, she replied, he called me back. They explained to her that brother Snow and brother Clausen were very busy and could not remain, and that they had gone. Ella then dropped her head back on her pillow saying, Why did he call me back? I was so happy and did not want to come back. Then Ella Jensen began to relate her marvelous experiences, marvelous both as to the incidents themselves and as to the great number of them that occurred in the short space of time between three and four hours. And furthermore, the very nature of these incidents proved that she was telling nothing but the truth. Here's here's our her story. At 10 o'clock, my spirit left my body, related to life. It took me some time to make up my mind to go, as I could hear and see the folks crying in the morning over me. It was very hard for me to leave them, but as soon as I had a glimpse of the other world, I was anxious to go, and all the care and worry left me. I entered a large hall. It was so long, I could not see the end of it. It was filled with people as I was conducted through the throng, the first person I recognized was my grandpa, H.P. Jensen, who was sitting in one end of the room writing. He looked up and seemed surprised to see me. He said, why, there's my granddaughter, Ella. He was very much pleased, greeted me as he continued with his writing. I passed on great many of my relatives and friends. It was like going along the crowded street of a large city where you meet many people, only a very few of whom you recognize. The next one I knew was Uncle Hans Jensen with his wife, Mary Ellen. They had two small children with them. On inquiring who they were, he told me one was his own and the other was Uncle Will's little girl. Some seemed to be in family groups, and there were only a few whom I could recognize who knew me. I kept moving on. Some inquired about their friends and relatives on the earth. Among the number was my cousin. He asked me how the folks were getting along, said it grieved him to hear that some of the boys were using tobacco, liquor, and many things that were injurious to them. This proved to me that the people on the other in the other world know to a great extent what happens here on the earth. The people were all dressed in white or cream, excepting Uncle Hans Jensen, who for this occasion had on his dark clothes and long rubber boots, the things he wore when he was drowned in the Snake River in Idaho. Everyone appeared to be perfectly happy. I was having a very pleasant visit with each one that I knew. Finally, I reached the end of that long room, another door, and went into another room filled with children and so forth. And so she goes on and recounts her experience. So as the theme of the la- of the show before I got cut off was, the, the, it's the priest after the Order of Melchizedek who have the ability to cope with this human condition. They alone possess the knowledge of your existence and why you're here. They have power to direct you in all of your affairs also. And if you will hearken and obey me as I speak the word of the Lord to you, you will be blessed. On the other hand, if you turn an indifferent ear to what I'm saying to you and treat it with indifference, if not rebellion, then you will be cursed. It's just as simple as that. It's exactly what Moses told Israel, Deuteronomy 28. He said, all these blessings shall overtake you. This multitude of blessings that would overtake them if they would hearken and obey the word that he commanded them this day, he said. But all these cursings shall overtake you if you don't. And then he lists all the curses. One of them was the siege of Jerusalem. He described in great detail in Deuteronomy 28, which was some oh, 2,000 years before Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 A.D. So uh, it, it's the priests after the order of Melchizedek that can cope with with Universe, actually. There's a great quote uh, from a counselor to Brigham Young. His name was Jedidiah Grant. that I read here? Get to Grant. Grant's here, so I can say Jed. Yeah. Priesthood clipped took this from that's uh in spanish i made a spanish translation
1: yeah okay. uh, so
0: <clears throat> I have a Spanish translation. Si mantiene eco sacerdocio de Dios está sobre la tierra. I'm not good enough to, to give you a blow-by-blow translation of that, so let me... Go to Evernote again. Yes, the unfailing Evernote is the solution. So let's type It's one part This is a, from a program I did May 18th, 2014. Title: Why one Now, here's the quote from Jedediah Grant. If Joseph had a right to dictate me in relation to salvation, in relation to a hereafter, you know, by telling you you need to be baptized, you need to repent, you need to do this, that, and the other to gain eternal life, right? So, Jedidiah is saying, if Joseph, who was the Lord's anointed at that time, had a right to dictate me in relation to salvation, in relation to a hereafter, he had a right to dictate me in relation to all my earthly affairs. Bill O'Reilly doesn't like, I'm sure, because he likes to be a dictator. And Barack Obama does, too. These are usurpers because they don't have this priesthood after the order of the president. Even the pope doesn't. The only legitimate claim the pope has for any authority is being the bishop of Rome. But that is not a valid claim either because an apostle didn't ordain the pope. Cardinals chose the pope. And the word cardinal is nowhere in the Bible. So that's a completely man-made institution. But let me read this quote from the beginning again. If Joseph had a right to dictate me in relation to salvation, in relation to a hereafter, he had a right to dictate me in relation to all my earthly affairs. He did not have that right. He did not have the priesthood of God. He did not have the endless priesthood that emanates from eternal priesthood that is clipped and lacks length is not the priesthood of God. If it lacks depth, it's not the priesthood of God. Or the priesthood in ancient times extended over the wide world and coped with the universe and had a right to govern and control the inhabitants thereof to regulate them, to give them laws and execute those laws. Now this is this is the government of the millennium we're talking about here and also the political kingdom of God here. Uh, where is the political kingdom of God located? Uh Joseph Smith said if you can find a righteous man, one man who has uh the oracles, that means he's getting revelation from God, and the priesthood of Melchizedek, he said, There is the kingdom of God. Well the kingdom of God has come unto you. Uh and uh there's never but one on the earth that has the keys of this, uh political kingdom, a uh, kingdom of God which circumscribes both the church as an ecclesiastical organization and the political government, which is uh presided over by the priesthood. It's called the in Evernote Out I, think. I doubt this right this is i've got several programs uh dealing with this subject two capitals from which earth to be ruled revelation to john taylor in 1882 concerning political kingdom of god and a third one uh, 921 god now to the Plant. And supersede the Constitution of u s let me let me go to this this program, and I have a diagram of the Kingdom of God that I made here uh showing the uh you know like a chart you know organizational chart uh, showing Israel's God at the top with an arrow coming down. Uh, titled Revelation, and then another box titled Lord's Anointed, and an adjunct box proceeding sideways out of that box called Council of Friends. And then two lines, uh, one is titled Veto, and the other is Commandment. And the veto goes to Council of Fifty, which is a democracy. And then under the Council of Fifty is the military, like Joshua. Joshua was the military commander, right, of the political kingdom of God in that day. And David also. And he was the king, David. Uh, and then another arrow going to the ecclesiastical arm. Which is the Church of Jesus Christ. And that is commandment. It goes from the Lord's anointed to the Church. So that the apostleship circumscribes all of the offices of the kingdom of God here. Under the uh, Church of Christ, is the title titled First Presidency 12 and 70 and DNC 107 says these are three quorum's of apostles equal in authority. So, that's the organizational chart of the kingdom of God. I'm just describing it to you. Again, this quoting Matthew 6:10, which says, "Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven." Matthew 6:10. Well, what is this kingdom? It is a literal, political kingdom, I'm trying to tell you, from which the nations of the earth will be ruled. And that is the only authority that has the right to do that. That is uh, the apostleship, because it's the highest office in this is a revelation I received uh, September twenty first, 2014, Baja, Mexico. The people of the United States, says the Lord, have broken the covenant I did establish with their fathers, yea, even the founders of this nation, for they have chosen evil and elected the wicked to rule. Therefore, I have taken the right to rule from them, that I may once again establish my holy order in its fullness upon the earth, even as I did anciently that the Ancient of Days may once again sit, even as I did speak unto Daniel the prophet. And so we need to go to Daniel to learn who the Ancient of Days is, don't we? So let's do that. This is uh, verse 20 of Daniel 7. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, that's the United States, said the Lord, and before whom three fell, that's England, France, and even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake gr- very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows—that's the United States. I beheld in the same horn, United States, war with the saints—that's the moral, saith the Lord—and prevailed against them. That's Daniel seven twenty-one, until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came the saints possessed the kingdom. Well, the Ancient of Days is the father. He's the father of not only your... He's the father of your spirit, also. He's the father of your body, too, as he begat Cain and Abel, right, and Seth, uh, from whom our mortal, mortal tabernacles come. Jesus is called the only begotten because he is the only one that Adam visited Mary and begat Jesus' body. He's, that's the only one uh, that that has happened among all the spirit children of our father. That's why he's called the only begotten for that reason. But he's also the father of heaven and earth, because he began the process of mortal birth for his spirit children that he begotten before the world was organized, I'm telling you. And the earth is not billions of years old, just like a building that you build, a mason, mason builds out of stones. It's not built billions of years old, just because the stones making up that building Are timeless. That doesn't mean the building is, and that's the way it is with the earth, also. That's why there. Yes, there are fossils in the ground, but we're not descended from them. Just like a farmer, when he plants a new planting in the spring, doesn't he turn over under the old planting under underneath the soil with a plow? That's what happened here. Well, not literally, but you know what I mean. Uh, a mighty convulsion destroyed the form of creation so that a transplanting could occur. Now, uh, here is the constitution of this political kingdom. It's, it's a, uh, a constitution, sentence. I'll read it. Verily thus saith the Lord, this is the name by which ye shall be called, the kingdom of God and his law. With the keys and power thereof and judgment in the hands of his servants. Amen, Christ. Revelation to Joseph Smith, Constitution of the Kingdom of God by Andrew F. Ehat, UIU Studies, Volume 20, Number 3, Spring 1980, page 25. Sunday, August 18th, at the office, copying the record of the kingdom. This is uh, from the Journal I think. Friday, September 6th at the Temple All Day. Somebody's journal. I presume that it's Wilton. have it. Okay, this is taken from the uh, Master's Thesis of Andrew F. Ehat, E-H-A-T, BYU Studies, Volume 20. Uh, titled, It Seems Like Heaven Began on Earth. Joseph Smith and the Constitution of the Kingdom of God by Andrew F.E. had BYU studies, etc. spring 1980. And i read to you from it. This is research that he did. So he's quoting a journal. And I don't have it identified. I'm sorry. The journal itself. I do have identified the Master's thesis by Andrew Ehan. Sunday, August 18th, at the office copying record of the Kingdom. Friday, September 6th, at the temple all day, copying records of the Kingdom. Reflections, January 1st, forty five. The organization of the Kingdom of God on 11 March last. That's uh, since this is Reflections, January 1st. This could be Benjamin F. Johnson. Uh, January, because he was a member of the Council of Fifty, Benjamin F. Johnson was. January 1st, 1845, says the organization of the kingdom of God on 11 March last. That means the kingdom of God was organized on the 11th of March, 1844. And that is the year Joseph Smith was martyred. He was martyred in 1844. I think in the summertime. They should have that date. Uh, so the the political kingdom of God was organized by Joseph Smith on 11th March, 1844. This organization was called the Council of Fifty or Kingdom of God and was titled by Revelation as follows. Verily thus said the Lord, this is the name by which you shall be called, the kingdom of God and his law with the keys and power thereof, and judge in the hands of his servants, Amon Christ, period. In this council was the plan arranged for for supporting President Joseph Smith as a candidate for the presidency of the United States. Because, you see, Joseph had the right to rule and reign, but it was still the the fullness of the Gentiles had not occurred. The Lord has revealed to me the fullness of the Gentiles when they were bouncing on the moon. Uh, I believe that was August 30th, You know, with uh, Neil Armstrong, those people running around on the moon. The Lord revealed to me that that was the fullness of the Gentiles. And my wife and I, or prospective wife at that time, uh, Kathy were, were leaving to attend a pop festival down in Atlanta, Georgia. July fourth. And we were we were married uh, in August, August fourteenth the following month. But uh I saw at that pop festival spirits released by God that God told me that these spirits would destroy the United States. And these were delusive spirits that were sent out. And then The phenomena of liberalism arose after that, shortly after that. Liberalism, that's the dominant political theory going on in the minds of the people right now. And it is a total, complete delusion, strong delusion, too, in fulfillment of what God told me. And it is destroying the United States because they elected the Black Race of Cain. Really a servant of the devil, actually. A liar, you know. There's few liars I've ever seen as good as Barack Obama. He can just lie without with a smile on his face, you know. It's amazing. Um, Council, the Council of 50, was also devised a plan of establishing an immigration to Texas. See, the Mormons were being driven out of mob, Nauvoo by no, mobs in 1844 who uh, were attacking without let, and the, there was no refuge from the government at all. That uh, Joseph Smith applied to President Van Buren for uh, relief from these uh, mobs but couldn't get any because President Van Buren said your cause is just, I can remember the quote exactly, your cause is just, but I can do nothing for you, unquote. So the Mormons were uh, pillaged and driven out of Nauvoo by mobs who stole their property, burned their uh, buildings, burned the temple to the ground that they just built, and they, uh, President Brigham Young and his counselors wrote a letter to all, the states of the Union existing at the time asking for refuge, and none of them replied to him at all, zero. And so uh, they were contemplating uh, at that time uh, going to California. They came to the Valley of the Great Salt Lake, and Jim Bridger met Brigham Young in the Rocky Mountains, bet him a $20 gold piece for every uh, bushel of corn that the Latter-day Saints could raise in the Salt Lake Valley. Jim Bridger, well, he would have lost that bet because the Mormons irrigated the land and made it blossom as a rose. Uh, so, and there's other parallels with Jerusalem, too. The river, main river there is called the River Jordan Okay, in Utah. And it empties out into a dead sea called the Salt Lake. That's why it's called Salt Lake, because it's, it's like the Dead Sea. It has salt, because there's no exit, it's just the entrance. So all the water flows in, evaporates, and leaves behind any minerals, which is a great uh, preponderance of salt in solution. So that's why Salt Lake is very salty and the Dead Sea also. And they both have a river Jordan. They both are capital cities of one for the Baveim in the uh, uh mountains of the Rocky Mountains and the other of course Jerusalem, the capital city which will from which the tribe of Judah is uh, being gathered present. In fact, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu just today, or yesterday, or maybe his day before, urged the Jews to leave Europe and come to uh, Jerusalem. Because that's what they should have done anyway. Long ago, but they've hung back in Europe and hesitant to move. And Netanyahu, just the day before yesterday, urged them to leave Europe because of the jihad that's going on Uh, in Europe, France in particular, and the Netherlands, uh, to come to Jerusalem. So they could have uh, refuge from this uh, jihad going. You may have heard that in the news. That was a recent headline so uh Brigham Young, when they landed there in Utah or saw the Salt Lake for the first time in Immigration Canyon, they have a monument there now with uh it's a statue of Brigham Young with his counselors uh who uh, his counselors for George cannon and uh, Jedediah Grant, I believe. Two counselors. So uh, Brigham said, This is the place, and we know the rest of the story, right? Well, these are the Mormon, these are the saints that Daniel speaks of, of the United States, the beast, wearing out until the Ancient of Days did sit. The Ancient of Days, saith the Lord, is Adam. He is going to return. And you people need to be preparing for it because he is going to destroy your hegemony. It's being destroyed at the present time. And it will will be, uh, the government will be of this priesthood that I'm talking about. And I have the keys of it right now. So that's the end of the program. Uh, Thank you for listening. Sorry I had that uh, complication that caused me to be interrupted uh, so rudely when I was disconnected. So we'll uh, end the program at this time, and uh, God bless you. I hope you'll pray about these things so that you can escape uh, the judgments of God that are coming. Even so, amen.